Flying Bull Productions presents Lab, Literature, and Film. It's the good stuff. Yeah. It's the Lab Podcast. We're your hosts. Over there is Two Frames. Howdy. I'm the L Train, and today's episode, number 104, Mm -hmm. is on the blacklisted screenwriter Dalton Trumbo. In 1947, successful screenwriter Dalton Trumbo, played by Brian Cranston, and other Hollywood figures get blacklisted for their political beliefs. I love our country, and it's a good government, but anything could be better. You talk like a radical, but you live like a rich guy. It's a perfect combination. The radical may fight the purity of Jesus, but the rich guy wins with the cunning of Satan. Your next deal is going to make you the highest paid writer in Hollywood. Where do I sign? Are you not, or have you ever been a member of the Communist Party? Many questions can be answered yes or no only by a moron or a slave. No studio will ever employ a member of the Communist Party. Decent Americans feel that Hollywood is just a haven for overpaid traitors. Buddy, I got nothing to say to you. We do what everyone says we can. We write. Are you out of your mind? Congress has no right to investigate what we think or how we make movies. I'll write you a movie. And you don't want your name on it? No, you don't want my name on it. Especially if you're still up to stuff, are you? Perpetually. The blacklist is alive and well, and so is the black market. We should all be prepared to go to prison. I don't think you're willing to lose all of this just to do the right thing. You don't end something like this by giving them what they have no right to ask. Phone for you. Oh, who is it? But there's a good story in there about one man who tried to take on the whole world. What's the title? Spartacus. If we get one big movie, we can get all the big movies. Then this whole rotten thing could collapse. If there is some other writer's name on it, don't believe it. Fire Dalton Trumbo. I don't think you and me are going to be pals. Directed by Jay Roach, screenplay by John McNamara, and starring uh, along with Brian Cranston, Helen Mirren, and Diane Lane, a fetching Diane Lane. Uh, John Goodman's in this, Michael Stolberg, Louis C.K. There's a whole litany of Hollywood lefties that got together and put together a film on Dalton Trumbo, their hero. And hopefully your hero, too. I know Dalton Trumbo is one of my heroes. In fact, my dog is named in his honor. Yeah, your dog, Dalton. In fact, sometimes contributor to the Laugh Podcast. Yes, he's been heard here and there on episodes. Does this movie justify your admiration of him? And more importantly, were you entertained or enlightened by the movie's portrayal of him? Uh, ooh, that's a deep question. I like the movie. I like that it told a lot of the Trumbo story. It it does leave out stuff and some of the things that I really liked about Dalton Trumbo. Um, for example, he wrote this novel, Johnny Guy's Gun, which I want to teach in school. And it, it's an anti-war novel. Mm-hmm. But even though he was an objector to World War II, he thought that the United States should take an isolationist approach. Um, he refused to publish the book during World War II. He did the same thing during the Korean War. Even though you know he was anti both of those wars, he still supported America. He goes, this isn't the time you discuss these ideas. I, I, I like that he could uh, 
disagree with the United States, but still support them. And I, I don't think a lot of people were able to walk that line like he was. I also like that he stood up for what he believed in and always said, you know, what was on his mind. And I think the movie gets that idea across very well. Um, there's some stuff with his family and, you know, apparently he was a jerk to his family at times. Um, no, I, I liked it overall. I thought it was a pretty accurate portrayal of Dalton Trumbo. Hmm. Okay. What did you think? I think that the the movie, the story is probably a little bit more interesting than the presentation. And uh, I think the, the, that the movie doesn't deal with the things that make him more interesting. And in fact, they lionize him to the point of banality. Like, I know that you're a great admirer of him, but I think he's a lot more complicated and the story is a lot deeper than, than they gave it credit for. Mm-hmm. To the same extent that they sort of buffoonerize, if that's even a word, or they minimize um, the life and uh, or the, the person that is John Wayne in the movie. Mm-hmm. They they're sort of shifty with some of the facts of Dalton Trumbo in this movie and make him seem a lot better and bigger than what he is. And they make uh, John Wayne and Ronald Reagan seem a lot worse than what they were. So I don't know. I have a lot of problems with some of the historiosity of the movie, but that's a different issue than whether or not it was entertaining. I know you enjoyed it because you were laughing a lot. Some of the lines were pretty good. Uh, It was attempting to be a screenwriter's movie but i don't know if it pulled it off or not and i'm surprised because it had a lot of good actors attached to it um they didn't do a whole lot of interesting things cinematographically well they were trying to do a lot of that stuff with the newsreel footage and integrating old footage with uh new footage that was made to look old and it seemed a little too sterile a little too uh digital maybe especially um, when you're dealing with a period piece possibly but i like that they didn't try and go overblown with it just like with a lot of these uh actors playing famous people they didn't try to get them to look exactly like john wayne or edgar g robinson right there was just enough that you know you could tell oh that's who he's playing but they didn't go over the top with it it's just yes stolberg uses his his regular voice he doesn't Mm -hmm. sound anything like edward g robinson which i appreciated Although he does look a little bit like him at times. And the guy playing John Wayne kind of looked like John Wayne. Right. If you squinted your eyes. Well, he turned your head across it real quick. (laughs) They did use actual footage of Ronald Reagan. Yes. So it was kind of a catchy, herky-jerky presentation that that was a little bit off-putting about the movie. Yeah, and and while I agree with you that they demonized John Wayne to an extent, he was also a complicated guy, and... They do give him a redemption scene later on in the film. If anything, I thought that they were kind of unfair to Trumbo with uh, the idea that the only re- they in the movie they set it up that the only reason he's really fighting back against Congress is because he feels he can win in the Supreme Court because they have a favorable court and that no one's going to have to go to prison. I really feel that Trumbo would have fought for his beliefs regardless if he was going to have to go to prison or not. Mm. And that this bad luck of a Supreme Court justice dying really wouldn't have affected the way the guy would have handled himself. I don't know. All right. I mean... I mean, we can... Who knows? I mean... Yeah, no one really knows for sure. Mm -hmm. But the movie didn't deal with those levels of complexity, especially regarding his motivations. 
the movie the movie offers up some motivations for him that aren't that 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 just seem too Hollywoodized and that don't really delve into the actual issues surrounding the day. I think. Well, it's also trying to cover a good twenty years of uh, history in a little over two hours. Yeah, and that's I, always going to be a problem for these types of films. Uh, we looked at a uh, criminal film earlier this year that had that same problem uh, w- with the Whitey Bulger film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it was just it's too much to cover in a single film. This movie didn't really seem to be tonally accurate, like uh, consistent. It didn't seem to be tonally consistent. It seemed that sometimes it was trying to be a comedy, and sometimes it was trying to be deeply, overly dramatic. Like Brian Cranston plays. Dalton Trumbo in this deep, sonorous voice. And at times he sounded sort of like, uh, oh, there will be blood. That John Daniel Houston Day character that he plays in uh, Dan- Daniel Plainview. Uh, the voice almost sounds exactly the same. And then there were some, I don't know, like uh, slapsticky kind of things that happened that I enjoyed about the movie. I mean, the, to me, the best parts of the movie were where John Goodman was in the, in the film. And he was only on screen about seven, eight minutes. Oh, I mean, well, I always love John Goodman. I like Louis C.K. And I, and I like Louis C.K. has some great lines that um, calls the movie out for what it's doing. I think at one at one point he tells Brian Cranston uh, to stop talking like everything he says needs to be carved in granite. Right. Well, <laughs> because uh, Trumbo only apparently speaks in one liners. Like a screenwriter, right? Yeah. He makes all these grand statements, tons of metaphors and illusions. I love it. No, you know what it is? I don't trust you. Well, I'd say go on, but I'm afraid you will. Look, I know what I am, okay? I want this whole country to be different, top to bottom. If I get what I want, nobody gets their own lake. Well, that would be a very dull life. Yeah, for you, not for the guys who built this. If I'm wrong, tell me, but... Ever since I've known you, you talk like a radical, but you live like a rich guy. That is true. Well, I don't know that you're, I don't think you're willing to lose all of this just to do the right thing. Well, I despise martyrdom and I won't fight for a lost cause. So you're right. I'm not willing to lose it all. Certainly not them, but I am willing to risk it all. That's where the radical and the rich guy make a perfect combination. The radical may fight with the the purity of Jesus, but the rich guy wins with the cunning of Satan. What? Just please shut up. Well, so you recommend it. You think people should go watch it? Oh, yeah. I I wish more people knew of Dalton Trumbo. Um, you You know I have to tell some people that my dog is named after Patrick Swayze from Roadhouse. Right. <laughs> whose character right. was named Dalton. Because when they go, oh, who's your dog named after? And you go, Dalton Trumbo, a blacklisted screenplay writer from the 1950s who was a communist. Right. People just look at you like, what? Right. And they have no idea about this, uh, the history of this and what went on in Hollywood. Unless they did 12 AP Lit, and then they would remember that piece from Johnny Get Your Gun that, that I teach. Yeah, 2007 AP. Uh, I think it's interesting that the director here has only really done comedies before. He's the director of Austin Powers and Meet the Parents. And I just like that he's choosing to do this serious drama. And I, I think he story. may have relied too much on his pedigree as a as a comedy director. The movie doesn't it doesn't act as a drama as far as I'm concerned. So 
it, the thing that inspired me to do was go find out more about Dalton Trumbo and mm -hmm. about the the period and the time surrounding. Like I didn't know that Edward G. Robinson was a was blacklisted or was ostracized for his political views. Um, well, and the best part is the end credits. There are some fantastic photos, and there's a uh, there's part of the interview with Dalton Trumbo, mm -hmm. and he tells a story about his daughter, which is really riveting to listen to. I agree. I mean, there are, there are some things that's interesting uh, to delve into the lives of these people, but I do think that the movie has some problems. Okay. Some serious issues, at least with the historiosity. And I'm wondering, I think that this probably should be a spoiler section. All right. So if you, if you're interested in the 1950s and forties or screenwriting, or if you like Brian Cranston from Godzilla, yeah. Malcolm in the Middle, uh, Breaking Bad. Yeah, Breaking Bad. And or John Goodman or Michael Stuhlberg or any of this. Especially Diane Lane. I thought she was great in the movie. If you like any of those, you should go see the film. But you should probably also uh, try to find out more about this Trumbo guy. And then see where you stand afterwards. So, spoilers. All right. The man that hath no music in himself, nor is not moved with concord of sweet sounds, is fit for treasons, stratagems, and spoils bring it i don't the movie really doesn't give us any motivations any of his real motivations for obfuscating and prevaricating in front of congress it just sort of dances around it wasn't it the idea they don't have the right to ask these questions i don't think or that, to that demand was answers for these questions i don't i don't think that that was their ch i think that that's i think the movie kind of puts that out for a suggestion but i don't think that's the real reason and then and it sort of becomes it sort of becomes a lame excuse for a motivation. Mm -hmm. it, and it's a way that the Hollywood left has of, again, aggrandizing and lionizing these people that were probably actively working against the government at the time. Yeah. And I mean, he, was a, he wasn't just a socialist. He wasn't just up for... Well, he wasn't a socialist. He was a communist. But well, he was a Stalinist. He, but even then he kind of pulled away from being communist later on in his life. Right around the time Khrushchev brought up uh, all of the problems that he, ha that he had with Stalin. So mm -hmm. it was 1956. I think he made a, I think he made a bad bet. I think he, he made a bad bet on his, he wanted the coverage. He wanted people to pay attention to, the communist cause or whatever, but I don't really think he was wrapping himself up in the First Amendment. I don't think all ten of those screenwriters, the Hollywood ten, had the same motive. They could they couldn't all have the same motivation in terms of uh, claiming that it's a First Amendment issue. And really, it's not. Is it a First Amendment issue or a Fourth Amendment issue? I think they they go with First Amendment just because Wasn't it's it? easier for people to understand that number. But yeah, freedom of speech, right to assemble. Uh, the other thing is, though, they don't cover, he wrote an article saying that we need to look at the Cold War also from the Russians' perspective and how they're viewing us as a menace. And the things that we're doing is also scaring the other side. And a lot of people got upset with that article that he wrote. Well, and that right. caused him a lot of trouble and caused him to be blacklisted for as long as he was because no one wanted to consider the situation from the other side and to take you know a bigger view of it all. Well, because if there are people who are actively working to sort of undermine your government or your 
your way of life or your point of view, then I think it's okay for people to have a problem with him. I think it was okay. Like, I don't, personally, I don't think it's a bad thing to find out if, uh, I don't think it's a bad thing for the government to determine if there are agents or agencies that are working to foment anarchy or change or rebellion or revolution. Mm -hmm. So I think as an active Stalinist who supported at times Hitler and Kim Jong-il, they the movie needed to, to bring that up in order to be more truthful and more accurate. Our Kim Jong-un, he, he was a supporter of North uh, Korea in the North Korean or the Korean War. Mm-hmm. So that was a problem that a lot of people had with him. But he was also, it turns out that he was taking marching orders from the CPA and so were all of the other Hollywood blacklisted authors that were, or screenwriters and directors that were uh, sort of ostracized and blacklisted and put in jail. They were, they, they made a bad bet. They said, hey, you're going to wrap yourself up in the First Amendment. You're going to obfuscate and prevaricate and make a tomfoolery or create this, all this tomfoolery because that's what the Communist Party wants you to do. Yeah, but wasn't that the right thing? The government did not I don't have know a if it's right. The right thing to ask you what your political party is and to say you've been to meetings, you've got to name names and tell us who else was there. I don't, I don't know if they do or if they don't. I mean, I, I'm uh, sort of, I think I, at some I, points, I clearly come down on the side of they don't have that right well, and that someone needs to push back against the, the government. Maybe, but I don't think that's what he was doing. I don't think he was doing it for those purposes because the irony is, the ultimate irony is, as an intellectual, he would have been called out and placed in a gulag for 15 years if he were trying to pull this crap in front of the Politburo in Russia because that's what they did with intellectuals and people that spoke out against the government. So he has an untenable position as a Stalinist. He would have been he, probably executed and shot He's not pro-Russia. Russia. He was pro-communist. He was pro. He was a Stalinist. He was pro-Stalin. That's the reason why he supported... He supported... Uh, Stalin and Nazi. He supported the Nazi uh, communist pact that happened prior to World War, prior to our involvement. He was a in World War II, and he sort of uh, he was a pacifist in terms of our our aggression in World War II up until a point. But then once the Nazis and the communists split from each other, he was all for the war. He was all for us getting involved. Once once it became once we were going to align with Stalin. He was all for that, so he's only a pacifist to a degree. Like I said, he he supported. He was an isolationist, which a lot of Sung. people in America were before right. World War II. Yeah, or but you I'm know, not... even up through what Pearl Harbor, even after Pearl Harbor, a lot of people still didn't want us to get involved in a war. Right, but do you think that that was the right position? I mean, I don't think history would suggest that that was the right position. I've seen Man in the High Castle. <laughs> I... Uh, I mean, this is getting really deep into history, but I, I don't think it's unreasonable to say, hey, do we need to get involved in a European war? Does this really involve us? Right, and then you have to you have that Plus argument. It, and to me, that's what he really stood for, was let's have this conversation. We can disagree about our ideas, and that's a good thing. That's one of the things that makes America great. I think that's what the the movie tries to suggest he did. I'm not sure that he was really like that, though. I mean, he was. That, a, that's my understanding of the man. He, the, well, the movie gives us an overly simplistic view of communism to begin with. 
Oh, when he's walking his daughter yeah. on the horse. Yeah. I mean, that's annoying because communism isn't just sharing your ham sandwich with somebody. The thing that the question that it leaves, or the answer to the question that it leaves out is the girl asks, Daddy, are you a communist? And he says, Well, what he describes whatever sim- simple view he has, but then she asks if she is. And he says, uh, well, your mom gives you a ham sandwich, and then you take it to work or to school, and then blah blah blah. You wind up, of course, you're going to wind up sharing it with someone who's starving. Where did the ham sandwich come from? That's my question. <laughs> they never deal with that, uh, and I, it's, that's what I mean. It's overly simplistic. But communism is also the only form of government that's been created in the last what 150, 200 years. New form of government. Is it wrong to explore, hey, this might be better than what we have, and to be open to changing our forms of government? Well, if you want to be open— If we can improve ourselves. If you want to be open about it, then why obfuscate about your position as a member of the Communist Party? Because the it government doesn't, at the time. doesn't have a right— Yeah, but I don't think that that's what they were— I, don't, I, I, don't I really... definitely think he makes that point a lot throughout the film when he asks, well, you're a Democrat. Does the government have a right to go after you and— have you named names? I think in a way, well, he named names earlier when people were talking about out against him on some other issues. He, he named names for people that were anti-communist uh, in 1945. You're talking about he was contacted by some people who were interested in Johnny Got His Gun and they wanted to use the book for their own. Uh, political beliefs and he turned their names into the FBI and then he realized what a mistake that was when the FBI showed up and didn't really care about anyone but him did he I mean did he realize what a mistake it was or did he I mean I I think he's very uh, (laughs) self-involved I mean he's a capitalist and a communist at the same time he's the perfect example of a guy who's allowed to have his cake and eat it too only he has to eat his cake in a closet (laughs) and he makes a lot of money off of this position he gets a lot of fanfare for being sort of the stalwart guy that, you know, like I said, the American left puts him up there as an idol when I think he's a lot more complicated than that. I don't, th- I don't think that he's, I, I, I think that they've been, that we've been fed a line about this guy and I wish that they would make a movie that delved into all of the, the deep dark uh, secrets that he had with respect to his position as a communist like, why not claim that you're a communist? There were people who were openly communist at the time. There were people who were running for up until they had the, um, oh, there was some act in the 1950s that outlawed communism. But before that, they people ran on as communists on, as a, uh, on the communist ticket or whatever. It was a viable political party. And then I, I don't, all right, I have a question for you. I think I, I know how you're going to answer, but would it be wrong for someone to ask the question now, some authority figure to ask the question now, are you now or have, or, or have you ever been a member of ISIS? What, to call you before Congress and ask you that? Yeah. Isn't ISIS a terrorist organization? Yeah, in the 1940s, a lot of people thought that communism was a terror, uh, that the Stalinists were terrorists. Based on fear? Based yeah, on yeah. McCarthy making up lies? I mean, Stalin started the Cold War. It's not just McCarthy making up lot, and I, and McCarthy came out after this. McCarthy came up in the fifties, so this was his hearing in front of Congress was before long before McCarthy. Yeah, but Trumbo had problems all through the fifties too. Yeah, up until the well, he had trouble, but I mean, he still lived in a suburban area in Hollywood. He's, 
I mean, he did spend. He was still writing his screenplays yeah. under a pseudonym, which is very ironic. 13 <laughs> months in, in uh, minimum security prison for lying and prevaricating and obfuscating he in front of Congress. He didn't lie. He refused to answer. That's what he was in jail for. He no. wasn't in jail for refusing to answer. He was in jail for lying. They knew that he was a communist. He they, refused to answer the question, isn't that? Well, I mean, does the movie explain why he gets put in jail? Because he was put in jail for obfuscating to Congress. Sort of the same thing that uh, What's-Her-Face did, the, the, the arts and crafts lady who Martha. lied and, to the FBI. Martha Stewart. <laughs> That kind of thing. Well, and she also, but she also committed securities fraud. Yeah, she, I know, but had, it was the lie. It wasn't traded, the fraud though that got her. It was the lying. Like okay, I don't but think she it was actually the fact did was, commit a crime, and the government was investigating an actual crime. Trumpo yeah, never committed a crime. Yeah, he did. That's why she, he got put in jail. But he was never being investigated for a crime. Oh yeah, no, the crime happened afterwards. The crime the fact happened that when he, he tried didn't to cover up the fact that he was testify, and legally you're allowed to take the fifth. Yeah, and but that's why do... it should have been overturned by the Supreme Court, and he should have never he, had to go to jail. He didn't do that, though. He didn't take the fit. He made a big scene. He and the other guys made a huge scene. They wanted the attention. Well, they were trying to point out, you can't force us to answer these questions, and the committee said, yes, we can, charged him, and, and him the Supreme Court should have thrown it out because legally he didn't have to answer those questions. Well, that is the truth. It, it, it's not. Again, if the if the Supreme Court decides this is what happens, then that's kind of what happens. I mean, that they their interpretation so the of the Supreme law Court is different has never than gotten yours. stuff wrong before. I mean, the Supreme Court at one time <laughs> I, ruled that African Americans were only three fifths of a white person. No, that's not my. Yeah, at, and at the time, that's what they thought. They were wrong mm-hmm. through the light of history. And here. Trumbo was given the raw end of the deal. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, when he comes back, he's still able to to he make a whole lot of money but and live as a true capitalist. At the end of the day, he stood up for what he believed in. He spoke his mind. And I think those are admirable qualities. And I think he did articulate a point of view. And if anything, you're upset about this film's not going into enough about this guy's point of view and getting into the details. Well, but also, he was a very detailed person. Yeah, I know. That's that's my point. I think it, I wish I had gotten a different movie about him. And I have no problem with someone having a different point of view than me. <laughs> but the way that they make him out to be great and wonderful and they make people like John Wayne and Ronald Reagan out to be buffoons is annoying to me. And that's a but typical... But the facts that they point out with John Wayne are true. What fact are you talking about? That he didn't fight in World War II. No, but he wanted to fight. Yeah. He he wanted to fight in World War. He was 34 years old. He probably would have been 4F anyway. He had broken back. He couldn't hear out of one ear. He was 34 years old. Originally, he got a, I think it's like, he got a classification that allowed him to be dispensated due to the fact that he was the primary breadwinner for a family of four. And at the age of 34, it wasn't likely that you were going to be drafted. But John Wayne tried to sign up. And when he couldn't, he tried to get John Ford to let him in as an officer to go with his um, film crew and go and film on, on uh, you know, in Okinawa and stuff, wherever John Ford was bringing his film crew. But John Ford, knowing that he had a cash cow, wouldn't let that happen. And the studio that he, I think it was, uh, I'm not sure, the studio that John Wayne was in, but the studio wouldn't allow him to go 
to sign up and go to war because they had a cash cow. How come all these other actors were able to go? That's exactly it. Those guys were able to go because they weren't held in check by their studio. And that's when John Wayne became an A-list movie actor. I mean, Jimmy Stewart and Clark Gable both have talked about how much John Wayne wanted to go into to battle. I mean, Jimmy Stewart flew like, what, 52 sorties as a mm-hmm. naval fighter. And Clark Gable had a, uh, famously had a, uh, Hitler wanted him to, to be captured. He had a bounty on his head when he was fighting. Uh, and those guys both knew. But that Clark, how was Clark Gable able to go and fight? Clark Gable was a much bigger star than John Wayne. He wasn't in 4F. the early 40s. He didn't have the the medical issues, the complicated medical issues that uh, and professional things that were standing in the way. But John Wayne didn't go around saying, "Hey, you know, I tried to do all these things." He, he wasn't that kind of guy. He was he wasn't going to try to. He actually had two or three applications that made it to the uh, I don't know the authorities, whoever was in charge of recruiting, and. They they didn't they somehow for some reason they got stopped at that point. So it wasn't that John Wayne didn't want to go to war. And in fact, it was one of his great regrets. But the movie oversimplifies that, and they have to in order to to have some dramatic point. But I think that that yeah, that but doesn't the guy do who's also making him. that criticism in the film did go off to war. Well, he was he was a the, war correspondent. That's right. But again, that you can is setting up a straw man. The movie sets up a straw man and makes a sort of a rubbery buffoon of John Wayne. And then you just got done saying how great and wonderful it is that a person has a position and they're able to articulate it. John Wayne's position is just as as viable. That's fine. And I like John Wayne. I think he's a complicated individual, too. And I would love to see a film that really goes into his life because there is a lot there. It's a lot more than just that public image of the man. That's what I mean. I think this movie doesn't give us enough of. But John Wayne is not quite as great as the public image of him wants us to believe. Right, and Trumbo's image is, he's not as great as the lefties want us to believe. Um, that um, the Helen Miriam's character, the gossip writer. Yeah. Gosh, I wish we could have gotten more scenes of her. She apparently pissed off pretty much everyone in Hollywood. Yeah. Uh, Joseph Cotton, the actor who was in Citizen Kane, apparently he got so mad at her that when he saw her at a restaurant, he pulled her chair out from underneath her. Yeah, she and she, he kept pulling it out. Every time she tried to sit down, she ended up having to leave the restaurant. She might have been as bad as they made her out in the movie to be. I think she was worse. That's kind of funny, though. Yeah. So I, I wish I, we could have gotten more of that, but you know, then we're having a mini series. This would have been a ten-hour. <sighs> I know. Story. Again, like Fargo. I've started watching that. Oh, so, really? Yeah. Awesome. But we'll have to save that for another time yeah but uh we have a lot of interesting shows coming up for you in the future uh next show 106 is going to be or 110 112 106 will be our next review show 105 so we left planning on doing legend and then uh we're getting down towards the end of the year so the laffy's award show is coming up the oscars preview show our top 10 list we're gonna be looking at all the different oh yeah the top 10 list oh my goodness this is a big time of year for the Laugh Podcast. So, looking forward to uh, sharing a little bit more with you guys. I know. No, it's going to be good times. This is my favorite time of year for movies or right. for, for doing the show. I have a quote this, this week, but it's not from uh, any movie. All right. Dalton Trumbo said famously 
I fought fire with oil. <laughs> so for Mr. Two Frames over there. It's been a pleasure. I'm the L-Trade. Boxhead Motive, everybody. There be Dragon.